Wednesday, October 10, 2012. The children of millionaire couple Peter and QC Chadwick wait to be picked up at a bus stop after school. When neither of their parents arrive and they don't answer any calls, an alarm is raised. Peter and QC are missing. But this won't be any normal missing persons case. This is bizarre. Let's find Peter Chadwick. Hi, I'm your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Well, tonight's case, show, whatever, is bizarre. This is another case I saw on YouTube while on holidays. It's it's similar to the Mike Williams case in in such that it's a, a family thing. It's truly crazy. It's set in a wealthy, gated community in Newport Beach, California. Now, this place, on a bad year, might get a couple of murders, and some years they don't get any. Anyway... The story is about Peter and Kui Chu Chadwick. Kui Chu, born 16th of June 1966 in Malaysia from a wealthy family and was a devoted mother of three boys. She had a bubbly personality, sort of like the life of the party. She was affectionately known as QC. Now, Peter, born in 1964 in England, he's got dual British US citizenship. He's also from a wealthy family that had investments in property and property developments. QC met Peter at Arizona State University. Peter was the more dominant of the two, taking care of QC. She was unaccustomed to her new way of life in the US and she was learning English. When she got here, she didn't know any English at all. They married in 1991 and they moved to Newport Beach. They would go on to have three boys, And QC was a devoted mother. Maybe not so much a tiger mother, but she sure made made sure that her boys did well in sport and school and they certainly didn't disappoint her. Peter was more distant and a lot quieter, more reserved than QC. QC, being a stay-at-home mum and Peter being able to work from home most of the time meant that the kids always had a parent available to pick them up from school. Although the oldest was away at college, the younger two were at high school and would catch a bus there and back. Every day, either Peter or QC was there to pick them up from the bus stop without fail. However, on Wednesday, October 10th, 2012, there was no one there to pick them up. A neighbour noticed them at the bus stop waiting alone and she knew that Peter or QC would always pick them up. She pulled a car over, asked what was going on. The boy replied that they tried to contact their parents, but there was no answer. They had no idea why they'd not been picked up. The neighbour took them back to her place, made some calls without any success in locating Peter or QC. This was so out of character, and so the police were called for a welfare check. 
At around 7pm, the police turned up at the Chadwick, Chadwick residence, knocked on the door, but there was no answer. Calls to Peter's phone went to voicemail and calls to QC's phone just rang out. Eventually, police got inside and at first, everything looked fine. There was what looked like lunch had started to be made as there was a couple of plates out and some sandwich ingredients. They went further into the house and into the master bathroom. They noticed broken glass from a vase around the bath and what looked like blood residue near the plug hole. They locate a safe, but it's open and empty. The internal door to the garage is open. Their minivan is parked inside, but the silver Lexus SUV they owned is gone. When they call QC's phone again, they hear it ringing this time. It's still plugged into its charger. Peter and QC are nowhere to be found. Now they go through some CCTV. This would show Peter driving the SUV out of the gated community at around 1.30pm. Looking further through the tapes, it did not return to the house. Now, you think, what's going on here? Where are they? Well, this gets really strange at this point. After approximately 16 hours from when Peter has left his house, near the Mexican border at San Diego at about 5.30am, this is the next morning, 911 operators get a call. On the line is Peter Chadwick. Now, this is just truly bizarre. Here it is. This is a 911 call. Conversation recorded on October 2012 at 5.30. Now, emergency, this is Crystal. Yeah, my, wife, my wife's dead. Okay, so where exactly is she? They took her. They took her. Who took her? The guy broke in my house. He he drove me here. He he had a friend. They they just gone. They're gone in a pickup truck. Okay, so your wife did that. She's dead. Okay, they killed her. They took her corpse. Yeah, they they killed killed her uh, yesterday. They killed her yesterday. Yeah, we 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 we've been driving uh, in in Newport Beach. Okay. Hold on. Let me get my supervisor on the phone. He said that his wife is dead, but somebody broke into dead. the house and stole and uh, he, he, took her. Yeah. He, he, okay. What? He what? Found her. He, uh, I, he, Who is he? he? Um. Um. Juan. 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 How do you know Juan? Uh. I. Picked him up to to look at some painting work at the house. I brought him to the house. And when did this happen? Yesterday, middle of the day. Yesterday, in the middle of the day. And when did she die? Yesterday, middle of the day. Okay. And where is she and now? Like eleven. Uh, they have her body. They said they're going to cut her up. Who has her body? Juan and Chi. Okay. So when she died at eleven o'clock, they took her. Yeah, yeah. They they maybe put her in the car. We. Uh, How do you know she's dead? She drowned. She drowned. What? Her body was stiff. Even I've been driving with them. They they say they're gonna cut her up. What's your name? 
Peter Hadwick. Mm-hmm. Are you on any kind of medication, sir? Not heavy ones. Okay. It's not that. Okay. Because I, I think they're going, uh, they might be going to Mexico or somewhere. Okay, but this happened yesterday at 11. You're now calling us at 5.30 in the morning. I know. I, I want you to get him. Huh? Yeah. Okay, go talk to him. For fuck's sake, what, what the fuckity fuck was that? I don't know about you, actually, I think I do know. This guy is already guilty as hell to me. Anyway, police pick up Peter just minutes after he starts making this call and they take him downtown. Here he tells them his story. Peter tells police that on the previous morning, the 10th, He was at one of his property developments when a guy came up to him and introduced himself as Juan. Juan asked him if he could work on the development, but Peter told him he had enough workers deployed there, but he did have some painting work required at his house. Peter then drove back to his place with Juan. Once inside, Peter explained how he needed the staircase banisters painted and let Juan go do his work. Peter goes on to say that he was in his home office when he then heard screams from his wife. He ran to find Juan trying to drown QC in the bath. Now Peter tried to rescue his wife, but he struggled with Juan, who pulled out, get this, a small Swiss army knife and threatened him. Now, I don't think I have to describe what one of these are. They come in all sorts of sizes, of course. But this one's got a two-inch blade. So here's Juan waving around this little Swiss Army pocket knife. Anyway, then Juan, once he'd finished killing QC, Peter said that Juan made him wrap her body in a green blanket, put it in the back of the silver Lexus SUV they owned. He was told, now get this, he was told to pack a bag with clothes. And then at knife point, Juan forced him to drive towards the Mexican border. This happened at around 11am. Wow. This guy murders his wife, but then makes sure he has clean clothes for the kidnapping. Look, at this stage, you probably are like the police that heard this story, thinking this is total bullshit, but we must go on. Peter says he's then forced to drive to San Diego, and eventually Juan tells him, to stop at the Arco Servo on Del Sol Boulevard. You can Google it, you'll find it. It's here that Juan calls a mate called Chi, who turns up in a blue Chevy truck. Chi and Juan transfer QC's body to the truck and drive off, leaving Peter behind with the SUV. Well, there you go, at least he's got a pack clothes. Anyway, I mean, it's not funny, but my God, this story... Is ridiculous. Peter then stumbles into the Arco, and that's when the 911 call is made. Now, you probably think, what a load of bullshit this guy is on about. Nothing adds up. Peter's body is covered in scratches and bruises on his neck and arms, including a huge bite mark on his arm. He says that it was from the struggle with Juan. In his car, of course, there's a suitcase packed with clothes which he told police that he was instructed by Juan to pack. Now, again, what kidnapping murderer tells someone to pack some things, 
Get some things. Don't take everything just packed quickly before they take them away. Peter would go through a range of emotions while he was interviewed. He was anxious, then he was silent, and when he was crying, there were no tears. Now, not once during the 911 call or his interview did he ask about his children's welfare. Now, Islanders, as we know, the ones that cry with no tears are guilty as fuck. And the cops thought that as well, as they arrested him for murder only five hours after the call. He seemed pretty unsurprised at this. He lawyered up and he stopped talking. So let's stop here for a minute, okay? Peter picks up a random dude called Juan he's never met before and offers him work inside his home. Once there, he instructs Juan to paint a banister while he goes to his office. Right, let some random guy roam around your house that you've never met before. Also, in the house, there's no evidence that anyone was painting anything. Of course, Juan then decides out of the blue to murder QC, someone he's never met. And he's able to keep Peter at bay with a small Swiss army knife. I mean, come on for fuck's sake. Then Peter is instructed to pack this bag as Juan takes him and his wife hostage. I mean, what the fuck did he fuck, fuck, fuck? Then he gets to the gas station, the Arco, on Del Sol Boulevard. Juan meets up with his mate Chi. They transfer QC's body to Chi's truck and drive off, leaving Peter alone at the gas station with his SUV. Well, this sounds like a plan that didn't go right. And so Peter's trying to make up some sort of story on the fly to make everything fit. The bites, scratches and bruises on Peter's body don't look like something mythical Juan would make with his penknife. Rather, they look like the injuries inflicted by a woman desperate to save her own life. Unless Juan has long fingernails. So, this is the big question. Where is QC? Now, I don't normally do this, but it is for a podcaster mate called Mike Morford, and it's and it's quite re- relevant. If you're a true crime podcast fan like me, you probably hear so much about sad and shocking murders, and unfortunately, a lot, a lot of attention gets paid to the killer and not to the victim. Sometimes it seems as if the victim is just a number or a statistic in a news report. But have you ever thought more about who those victims were? What were their dreams and goals in life? How they touched the lives of those around them? And what about their families? The family members and survivors are victims too. What is the aftermath of these horrible murders like for them? If you're searching for a podcast that's victim-focused and chronicles their loved one's journey to get justice for them after their murder, I'd suggest a podcast called Murder in My Family. In each episode of Murder in My Family, you'll hear the backstory of a murder case and to get to know more about the victim and their family through an in-depth interview with a loved one. Sometimes the cases are unsolved. Sometimes their families have gotten answers. Sometimes the cases are well-known and sometimes not. But the common thread in every episode is that every murder victim means something to somebody. There are dozens of episodes ready to binge now. Subscribe and listen to The Murder in My Family right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
So, sorry about that. I don't normally do mid-roll ones, but this was for Mike Morford's show. It's really relevant to the last two episodes. And if you like this sort of family murder type thing, go and have a look at his podcast. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. G'day, Mike. Okay, so back to trying to find QC's body. So, we've got the 911 call. Peter's been dragged downtown. He's come up with his bullshit story. Police have arrested him. He's lawyered up and he's not speaking anymore. So as police searched the house for evidence, they found a handwritten piece of paper that had Peter's computer search history on it. Now, it looks like it was written out by QC. So this is like an A4 page and it's just got all these URLs written all over it. It had the URL, (laughs) which included, and this is this, you know, some of it's funny, some's not. Abortion cost in California. Now, another one. Chinese massage girls escort. How's that one? Team Tijuana escort girls. Also, divorce. Vicky Tran, California. And how to torture. Islanders, what do I say every week? Don't forget to delete your browser history. This guy didn't. And QC found all this and she wrote it down on a piece of paper and she hid it in her cupboard. So Peter and QC's marriage wasn't so perfect as it looked like on the outside. Of course, if he's looking for Team Tijuana, Team, team, team Tijuana, Escort Girls. Anyway, in fact, it looked as though QC wanted a, divu- a divorce and her writing down all the dodgy shit Peter's doing, looking up on the internet was maybe to be able to show it to him or to use it in a potential divorce proceeding. Now, one thing, though, I don't think QC really wanted a divorce. She really wanted her marriage to work and for the family to stay together. But I guess when you see this sort of stuff and they weren't obviously getting along, things happen. Anyway. Any CCTV the police found with Peter driving his SUV that day, the day that they went missing, had had no sign of one or anyone else travelling with him. The security guard at the gated community saw no one in the car with him. It was looking like Juan, as, they had, as the police had expected, was just an imaginary friend of Peter's. There is a similar clusterfuck like last episode where Brian Winchester killed his best mate on the river. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I won't spoil it, but listen after this. It also has a sprinkle of Jodie Arias about this. She was one of my first episodes, so if you haven't already listened to my take on her and her lack of planning and very unbelievable story that she told police, go and have a listen because these are all very similar where... There was a plan, obviously didn't go as planned, failed to plan, plan to fail. So they've all got that sort of thing about them where they've now had to suddenly go to an emergency plan B and things just don't work right. Anyway, on the 18th of October, police still had no clue as to where QC's body was. They were sure she was dead, but they needed her body. She would be found just past the Muff Valley Road just near the intersection of Wildcat Canyon Road. QC, devoted mother of three boys, her body was in a dumpster by the side of the road, strangled. 
She was wrapped in a green blanket. Some of her expensive bags were there as well as her ID and strangely enough, $10,000 in cash. Now, if you Google the map on that intersection, you can actually see the exact location and there is a different blue dumpster there, but you can see exactly where the blue dumpster was. So, funny enough, the dumpster was supposed to be picked up the day before police found it, but the fees hadn't been paid by the owner of the house. So it wasn't picked up, and it was still there on the day of discovery. Other than that, she would have ended up in landfill. Chadwick pleaded not guilty in court, and he sweated it out in jail for two months until he was released on $1 million bail. Now, I hear you say, huh? I can hear it from here. Huh? What the fuck? Well, you see, he had no criminal history. He was based in the US. He had an expensive house, three kids. He'd surrendered both his British and US passports. So he gets bail. Now, the cops would have to try to keep an eye on him. But what could they do? They can't watch him every day. So Peter's out. You know what he does? I mean, this looks like he's done it. He looks like he's done it to everybody. He sends out invitations to all his neighbours and friends and stuff a hundred days after her death to have a hundred day vigil. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with some people? This, This really pissed a lot of people off. Anyway, things can move slow in the judicial world and after two years on bail... And doing all the things he had to do as a condition of his bail, Peter's attorney calls police in 2015 and told them, I don't know where the fuck he is. Anyway, I don't think he said it like that. He probably said, excuse me, sir, but we we don't know where Peter is. Maybe you should go look for him. I have no idea. Anyway, the hunt was on. Chadwick had at least a three-week head start. He'd also accumulated approximately a million dollars in cash in the previous couple of years by taking out small amounts at a time from his bank accounts. Now, if you took out small, what I I call small amounts of time, at a time out of my bank account over two years, you're going to get about 50 bucks, 100 bucks. So I guess small amounts to certain people is a lot of money. Anyway, it was taking out these amounts every, every few days, I suppose. He accumulated. He's got about a million bucks. Now, when police searched his home, they found a book on how to disappear and change identities. Amazing. Now, there was a firm sighting backed up on CCTV. This is this is weird. A taxi driver said he picked up a woman from Chadwick's house and took her to an airport in Santa Barbara. So they're, they're looking at all the CCTV here. Now, this could have been Chadwick in drag. CCTV picked him up with a suitcase. He's carrying it into the airport. He then goes into the restrooms and the woman, she didn't come out. But Chadwick did, now dressed as he normally dresses. He hung around the airport for a few hours and then he left in another taxi and has never been seen since. So he didn't get on a plane. He just got on a bloody taxi. Now, this is from CBS. It's an interview with U.S. Marshal Craig McCluskey. So I'll just read out a little bit of this. 
Now, the countries that they... That he, he says the countries we've had active leads in that we've pursued include Japan, Canada, Mexico, Belize, Panama and the Ukraine. For the first two to three years, I believe that he went north and in fact, we learned that he did. He intentionally threw us off his trail. He wanted us to believe that he was going north to Canada when in fact, he doubled back and went down south. We learned that in 2017, he was in a bus accident in Mexico. So, we know at least as recently as 2017, he was down in the country of Mexico. And the marshals have been zeroing in on Mexico. They say it's easier for a fugitive to get a phony passport there. Now, Chadwick's father, Michael, inferred that his son was suicidal. But that may have just been to put investigators off the scent. I don't think he killed himself, and if he did, why would he do it in a place where his body wouldn't be found? Why not just do it in a hotel room? There you go. So, Peter Chadwick is described as a white male, five foot seven tall, weighing 160 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. He was born on February 18, 1964. Peter Chadwick is a wanted man after he was arrested in the 2012 murder of his wife, QC Chadwick. Peter was released on bond and then disappeared. This is this is all from the PD uh, website. He's been a fugitive from justice since January 2015. With the partnership of the United States Marshal Service and the support of the city of Newport Beach and private donors, we are now offering up to $100,000 total reward for Mr Chadwick's capture. Maybe they need to bump that up to a million bucks. If you have any information about Peter Chadwick or his whereabouts, so everybody get your pencils ready, please contact Newport Beach Police Department at 1-800-550-NBPD. So that's November Bravo Papa Delta. And that, in numbers, that's 6273. So 1-800-550-6273. Or you can email them at tips at nbpd.org. Messages on the tip line can be left anonymously if so desired. Callers are encouraged to leave their contact information in case investigators need to follow up for additional clarification or information. Anyone with information also is asked to call, or alternatively, one 800 Double three six zero one zero two, or submit another tip online to http www.usmarshals.gov forward slash tips. So, Islanders, this is an active case that you yourselves could help out in. Now, I don't normally do unsolved cases, but I think this one is a solve. They just lost the accused. I reckon, I reckon. He's made it out of the country. Not what I reckon matters, but I reckon he's got out of the country. Maybe by jumping on a cargo ship or slipped over the border into South America. I reckon I could even find him sitting next to me in a debt chair drinking a beer in Thailand. Because a million dollars would go a long, (laughs) bloody long way in Southeast Asia. What gives me the rage about this is that he killed his loving and devoted wife, the mother of his children then just chucked a body in a dumpster. I mean, what a fucking scumbag. Now, there were issues in the marriage, and QC did tell friends she felt unloved. 
does look like there was a divorce going to happen. Was it the financial loss that Peter refused to accept and so he decided to kill QC? But somehow the killing of her was not as easy as he thought and his plan went out the window. But he had a, he'd passed the point of no return maybe at, at some point. So he had to finish her off and quickly dispose of her body, make up that ridiculous story about Juan and the same time try and to try and explain all the cuts, bites, bruises and scratches all over his body. Sort of like, again, like I said last week when Brian Winchester thought Mike Williams would simply drown. But then he had to shoot him in the face and hide the body. His plan went out the window and maybe Peter Chadwick thought it would be, it would be easy to strangle and drown QC while she was in the bath, but he underestimated her will to live. Money was probably the main motivation. I mean, a divorce may have been very costly to Peter Chadwick. I don't think it was lust. I think it was probably getting... He was probably getting it or buying it in town rather than having an affair. The kids, though, although I'm sure they aren't living in poverty, they've lost not only their loving mother but their asshole father and their family life as it was. All I can say is Islanders be on the lookout for him and I hope the calm bus does the boomfuckalunger on him. Now, for further info and where I got a lot of my info from, check out the CBS News coverage on this and also the Newport Beach Police Department podcast. They put one out by themselves. Everyone's got a podcast nowadays. That's called Countdown to Capture. So check that out. It's really good. So that's the end of the show tonight. First up, thanks everyone who voted in the Australian Podcast Awards, which will be held this Saturday or, you know, the 18th of May, 2019, if you're listening to this show before that. Well, that is all you listeners and the show is in the finals because you are the island. The finals for independent true crime podcasts and also in the finals for the popular vote. Just being there amongst all those other podcasts is great. Some are quite professional productions, not like this one. So if you're listening before the 18th, then you can watch the live stream on YouTube. Just Google Australian Podcast Awards for the link. The next day, if you're around in Sydney, I said it last week, and I think I put a promo out, at the Marlborough Hotel at Newtown, Sydney, 2pm, Sunday the 19th, there's going to be a meet-up with Bloody Murder and Mall and Evidence Locker, I think. Forgotten Australia might be there, a few other people, and some listeners are going to be there. So get on down there. It's always a fun day when we have the meetups and get to meet everybody. We're giving away stuff so you can get some stuff. That'd be cool. Now we get to the patron shout-outs for this week. First up, we got Lisa Ferdinand. Thank you so much, Lisa. We've also got Fiona. we got Pat Fox. I think Fox something. Pat Fox. Thank you so much, Fiona and Pat. we got Elsie and Claire and... Thank you again. Thank you so much. And Lizzie did up her pledge. I'm not sure if I mentioned her last week, but thank you very much to Lisa, Fiona, Pat, Elsie, Claire, and Lizzie. Now, if you have qualified for a mug or a t-shirt award, I have emailed you. I've got a couple of people email me back, but I think there's a couple outstanding. I always email you beforehand, so please check your email and get back to me. Also, if you've done that, Still have not received anything from me. This could be two, three, four weeks later. Let me know so I can track it 
as there have been a couple of things not show up in the post from Threadless. If I have missed you totally, sorry, sorry. Please let me know as well, as I do make mistakes and I can sort everything out. To become a patron, please go to patreon.com forward slash true crime island, where for as little as a dollar a month you can you too can support the island. Also, if you want to make a one-off donation, you can go to paypal.me forward slash true crime island. Also, if you want to send crypto, just email me. I'll send you a link and you can do that. Now, I'm nearly out of koozies. By this weekend, I will be out of vehicles. I'll have to order some more, maybe a new design. But I, I do have keychains, stickers and lapel pins. You need to email me for those. Cambo at truecrimeisland.com and you can use that email to contact me directly or for whatever. Anyway, most of the links are on my webpage, truecrimeisland.com website. Search for True Crime Island on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and join the closed group on Facebook. Also, tell your friends to share it. That's probably a really good way to support the island. Tell as many people as you know. If they don't know what podcast is, let them know. Sort them out. So that's about it as we ran a promo mid-roll for Murder in My Family, so nothing at the end. But again, that's a really good show, very relevant to the last couple of episodes. So that's it. Lots of love to Maggie Jones. I've been your host, Cambo. You've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, always say, and this is a case, don't forget to delete your browser history. Night, Bonfangalanga. Bonfangalanga.